is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis. Dallas selects Emmett Smith, running back from Florida. Nothing can compare you to this, no matter how many mock interviews you do. Um, this, is, this is the real. You know, being able to grow up fast, you know, going to a smaller school, also being able to grow up fast, having a son at a young young age. So I think everything, when you take, you know, different things like that and put it in the bowl and you mix it up, that's what that's that's where all the hunger comes from. It's very special. You know, this is something I've always wanted to do ever since I was a kid. Um, I watched my dad play in the league for 14 years, and I knew at a young age this is what I wanted to do in my life. And it's just a surreal feeling just to be here right now. So um, I'm just excited, and I'm enjoying the process so far. It's all business here in Indianapolis as the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine is rolling on, and so is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show live from Radio Row inside the Indiana Convention Center. Kyle Yeomans, Dave Hellman, back again with the Athletics' Dane Brugler, and we came in with a, a couple of sound bites from the final media session. This is our final show of the week. It's a little bit bittersweet and it's more bitter i feel like than sweet because it's been a great week of information it's been a long week uh, a lot of hard work a lot of grind but man uh it, it just kind of speaks to the fact that the the nfl combine coming to a close as we speak really over the next couple days and then it's that next step going forward to the draft and we talked about all week how the schedule was different and never it never felt that way as much as it did last night. Yeah. Uh, being uh, in the stadium last night watching these drills, and it's just like, gosh, I, I should be – this is different. It's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm here watching a 40-yard dash um, when usually every year at 10 o'clock you're – you're out, you're mingling, you're doing different things. And so a little different this year, and tonight will be day two uh, of the workouts. Uh, what, offensive line, running backs tonight. And then we'll get into defense uh, Saturday and Sunday night. So should be interesting. Which, yeah, Dane has ways about him. <laughs> so he actually was watching the 40. Yep. But got to have ways. Got to have ways in this industry. But it was weird because, like, you know, we y'all went to dinner. I, I stopped by to say hi to some friends nearby and, like, the – the bars are all running the drills. Like, all of the people that are here to cover the drills are, like, out getting drinks and food <laughs> and looking up at the TV like, oh, wow, yeah, that's that's going on right now. Oh, which, that's what we're here for. Yeah, <laughs> and no, it, it was very bizarre because typically that's happening, like, around this time of day. Then you go out and let off some steam later, but, like, kind of multitasking between – drinking the beer and watching the dra uh, drills it was yeah it's a little surreal and, and you tweeted out last night at on your twitter account at hellman dc you said you were watching the titanic how was it, Did you uh, it the I first mean, time the watching boat, it the again? boat sinks yeah jack dies oh um oh, could thought, he have fit on the door i thought you were yes. talking about Qu uh, quintess cephas's 40 time oh uh, was that it did seem well, you were actually talking about the movie so well <laughs> okay i'm out i'm out you know i'm out getting some drinks and saying hi to some friends grabbing some dinner and then like literally I probably didn't leave the bar till 10:30, but I walked back to my hotel. I was like, "I'll watch the rest." I'll, you know, there's only like 20 minutes left. I'll watch the end in my room, and the hotel didn't get NFL NFL Network. Network. So yeah. like, oh, there was wow. nothing I couldn't watch. <laughs> so naturally. So I was like, "Well, Titanic's on, so I'll throw that on <laughs> wow. for a while." Well, I mean, that's one way to spend your first night it, of drills. It was a weird night. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It was a weird night. But it, I mean, I caught up in the morning. It's oh, fine. absolutely. It's fine. You can always find ways nowadays to to get right back caught up, and we did indeed do so with those drills last night. There were some standouts, and of course you're going to see some of that with the wide receiver group, the quarterbacks going last night as well, tight ends, uh, a big part of that. But kind of on the back burner when it comes to the guys who stole the show, going into it, Henry Ruggs third wide receiver out of Alabama. What was his 40 time? And that was the headline. That was what right. we were all watching for. Uh, but there were a couple guys that stood out, a, a Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, Denzel Mims out of Baylor. But I want to ask you guys before we get too far into it, what was last night's best storyline for you? For me, it was, and I'm going to steal your LSU thunder here. Say, Sorry. Well, it sounds better coming from you than from me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, and I think I've called him Jordan Jefferson about 10 times, but <laughs> Justin Jefferson, uh, not his older brother, um, he, to me, he was the winner of the night. And, yeah. you know, he, it's not like he, he's coming out of nowhere. I mean, he was already considered a 
possible first-round pick. But going in, I thought that he – look, this is a guy that is not a true burner. He wins with savvy, with a, as a seasoned route runner. He can win at the stem. Um, he can create his own space, and that's what makes him such a dynamic player, not just necessarily running by guys. Um, and so I was thinking low four fives would be a great time for him. And he goes out and runs a four four three in the forty yard dash. Just was moving. Uh, but it's not only that. It was the gauntlet. The gauntlet I mentioned this before is my favorite drill the entire week. Um, there's just no hiding. I mean, it's, it's uh, fast and furious. You're going this way, this way, this way. No drops. Uh, Jefferson was clean, efficient. He he was outstanding in that drill. Um, I thought to me Jefferson was the big winner of the night. Uh, just watch it with my eyes. Which, I mean, I completely agree. Yeah. Like I said, it sounds worse coming from me. I mean, I've been watching the guy for two years. He's incredible. He's natural. Amazing route runner. He's so smooth. Yeah. Like, everything he does is so effortless. But even me, the worst LSU homer you've ever met, like, I'm, like, you know, top 60 is a cool range for him. Like, yeah. Like, if, if he can get drafted between somewhere in 40 and 60, that would be great. And now – Experts like Dane are telling me he might be gone by pick 25, and I just I didn't see that coming. So, good for him. Um, just real quick, it's, no. it's the we talk about how the top tier of the receivers would be Judy Lamb uh, and Rugs, mm-hmm. and then take your pick, right? And but then that second tier, I think I mean it, I think you start with him. You know, I wow. think really. I mean, you would see, put him at the top of that list. I, I, I think there is it's a strong to argument to, to be made. I mean, yeah, Chenault, Higgins, Rager, Rager Ayuk. I mean, you can make cases for a lot of these guys. You can make a strong case for Jefferson, and, and then the case was on the field last night working out. Which I think I I said that at the top of the week is like somebody who we're not really talking about will enter the conversation. And mm-hmm. if you follow the draft, you know who Justin Jefferson is. But right. again. Nobody is talk. Nobody had him in that kind of little gaggle of receivers at the top, and now you're telling me he might be the fourth receiver off the board. That's amazing. And I think that kind of goes to the intrigue around this wide receiver class because there are those top guys, which all the eyes are going to be on. They were last night. They will continue all the way up into the draft. Then you got that big group of receivers in the second tier, and, and that's really kind of the at least the quotations around it, second tier. But they're all so close together that right. I think that's where you'll see the majority of the movement, like a guy yeah. like Justin Jefferson and then uh, a guy like Denzel Mims who's now getting thrusted into that conversation as well. I was going to throw Mims out there. He, I mean, he killed it. He awesome. was awesome in the 40, awesome in the three-cone, yeah. so athletic. Um, another Texas guy who I, you know, um, Devin Duvernay. Yeah. If you're, if you're back in Texas listening to this. KT uh, was happy last he, night. I mean, he was right behind, if I've got my results right, he was right behind Henry Ruggs in terms of fastest 40, right? Him and He was top five. Yeah. He was, oh, you're right. He was fifth. Yeah. There, God, there were some burners out there. Yeah, yeah. there were. I'll, um, I'll be honest with you, though. Um, a little disappointed in DuVernay uh, with some of the catching stuff, the, the field work. Um, fought the ball a little bit, but... The agility stuff, the speed stuff, he was outstanding. Yeah. See, and that's kind of what we talked about previously when bringing up Devin Duvernay. Is on film, it almost looks like he glides. Mm-hmm. He almost doesn't look like he's going 100%. Now, I'm not saying he, he, he sandbags in the game because I don't think that's necessarily the case. But we were kind of interested going into it to see what kind of speed and agility that he had because that was one of the knocks on his film was, hey, he doesn't necessarily look like he's running around people out there. And as a slot guy in the NFL, you kind of have to have some of that at some point uh, to have that speed. Well, he came out and ran uh, a really nice 40 and looked good in the agility-wise. That's why it was interesting that he did struggle catch-wise, though. That's a guy who really one of the, the, the best parts about his game in college was the fact he didn't have a whole lot of drops and he had those sure hands. Right, and, but if you watch the tape, it's, you know, I think they, they used him as basically an extension of the run game. Yeah. You know, a lot of screens and I, I think he tracks the ball well naturally just over his shoulder, but there were a few times, uh, you know, the corner stuff, the, the back shoulder stuff where he he struggled a little bit when he had to adjust his body and it, it's, it's one workout. Um, uh, you know, I think it's not like it's changing his grade at all. Um, but it was it was kind of he was the opposite of like a Quintess Cephas who ran terribly ran in the four sevens but you could see his basketball background with the way he would snatch the football and so yeah. a little different you know contrast with those two guys I've got one that I want to throw your way who he was definitely a winner last night but I'm and and this is a conversation that's happening on Twitter so I'm going to borrow from that but uh, the Golden Domer yeah <laughs> Mr Claypool yeah Chase Claypool six four two thirty eight. Goes out last night, runs a 4-4-2, jumps 41 inches, 
just looks like an all-around freak. At 238, that's ridiculous. Are we talking – I mean, is this guy the best tight end in the class and we're just – we don't realize it yet? <laughs> I, I don't get why there, there's a tight end discussion. I mean, I, 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 he's – Because it seems like he could do it. I mean, and again, again you got to readjust the conversation. Like, no, right. he's not – He's not Martellus Bennett. Like he's no. not going to maul people in the run game. But uh, why, why put his hand on the ground and when you know? I mean, I think he could be like a big slot. I think that'd be great. You know, I, I think he's a pass catcher first and foremost. And so, I'm not going to put him in line or you know. I think he could play across the formation, inside, outside. Um, and it, 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 this is a case where the the receiver tight end lines they're very blurred because you know I I could see it. I understand why some would suggest that, but he'd be more of a you know the Evan Ingram, the you know more of that sure. slot guy, more so than a, a traditional tight end with kind of how we associate these tight ends. And I think I would probably agree more with you, Dana. I think last night proved that there really shouldn't be that much of a conversation when it comes to Claypool going to tight end. I mean, we've had that conversation before, whether it be on Twitter, and I, I don't know if we've talked about it actually on the show yet, but maybe off air talking about, hey, is this a guy that just fits more into that mold, could be more successful up on the line of scrimmage rather than uh, out wide as a wide receiver? I think last night he kind of showed I should be a wide receiver. Well, a lot of, when you see that 240, that's yeah. that's what you, your, your mind immediately, yep. understandably, yeah. goes to, well... You say and, the same thing about Colin Johnson, too, though. Right, you know, is he outgrowing the position? And, you know, I think, it, but with that athletic profile, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather keep him uh, in a slot or outside, let him you know match up with uh, some of these uh, you know undersized corners. And I think the big thing too with Chase Claypool, and I wrote about this. There's there're gonna be a lot of special teams coaches banging on the table saying, "Let's draft him because we want him <laughs> on special teams." The toughness, the power, and that speed coming down on coverages. He had 25 tackles at Notre Dame over his career, so we wow. know he can do it. Um, I think that definitely. And when you have uh, such a stacked group of these guys and they're they're it's a little crowded the more you can do the more value that you offer and so that's why a guy like chase claypool at the very worst i think you're talking about a fourth receiver special team standout and at the at the best you're talking about a guy that's gonna step in as a starter and be a featured weapon for you let's talk quarterbacks last night we saw some of the quarterbacks throwing it around now the top names of course tua and joe burrow not uh, a part of it but we saw justin herbert go out there and throw the football around. Jordan Love, who caught mm-hmm. some eyes as well. Uh, Jacob Eason, I thought, had kind of a good night overall uh, quarterback-wise. But there's there's those guys out in this quarterback class that had a chance last night to show some speed and, and agility off, but also show off the arms as well. Who stood out to you in the first night of drills? Eason, man, that ball just it really. I does. mean, you hear it. It's just it, it cuts through the through the air like it like it's nothing. It's it's crazy. Uh, but he was a little off at first. It took him a little mm-hmm. while to settle in, and you could see that in some of the drills. Uh, it starts with Herbert and Love. Both of these guys. I don't think either of them did anything that would change your opinion uh, based on 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. Um, I thought both were outstanding, and both should be in that type of setting. So it was not a surprise to see both those guys uh, play uh, perform well. Uh, during the throwing portion, um, you know, I think that Fromm is the opposite of the Eason conversation. We mentioned this uh, on last show, mm-hmm. how going back to back and the stark difference in velocity. And but at the same time, while there was a stark difference, Fromm was a lot more accurate. Um, yeah. he did a better job with the chemistry and the timing of the throws. Uh, he just the ball loses life. Um, I thought Jalen Hurts, uh, he performed well in the you know in the forty yard dash and the agility stuff. But my biggest questions with Jalen Hurts, you're just not going to figure out. You're not going to have those questions answered in a setting like that. And that's, you know, anticipation, holding the ball too long, reading defenses. You know, it's great that Jalen Hurts did what he did, but my questions from tape are still kind of unanswered. Um, You know, he's not going to be able to show that in a setting like the combine. I agree with that. Do you also – I think you could say something similar about a guy like Eason. Oh, definitely. In the sense that, like, this type of stuff is designed to show off – you know just how rare his arm talent is and stuff like that like his problem is decision making Mm -hmm. seeing things anticipating things yeah and so he can go out there and throw as 
beautiful a ball as he wants to, it doesn't really make me think any more highly of him because I've seen some of the very, yeah. Yeah. very questionable <laughs> things that he does during live action. Very, very fair. He, he is a bigger, slower, emphasis on slower, Stafford. I mean, that, that's just who he is. And But can he do enough to negotiate that pocket and, under pressure, mm -hmm. make the reads and make the throws? Yeah, you're right. That's something that I don't think we we're going to figure out until any – even if he – this is where the debate gets about sitting a quarterback or playing him. Like, you know, you could sit him, but is he really going to gain the experience needed to learn that and become better in that area? And that's why a lot of people were telling him, go back to school for your senior year mm -hmm. uh, because the NFL's, you know, it's not a developmental league. It's it, It'll eat you up, spit you out if, if you don't have this stuff. So, yeah, he, Eason is a very, very intriguing player who – I, I'm, I'm going to guess he goes in the second round just because the arm talent is so special. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, buyer beware with him. He had the highest velocity on the straight line speed throw last night, correct? Uh, he was second. He was 62. And okay. then Nate Stanley from Iowa had 63. Okay. I knew um, we were we were right around that, that top mark in terms of that. Right. But does it make a difference when you look at those two guys, if we're comparing Fromm and Eason and kind of – Looking at those two back back to back, does it make a difference the fact that uh, Fromm has had a significant amount of more starts and experience at the college level rather than Eason during his time starting? Yeah, no. So it's I, almost a, a, it was a, a vast difference in terms of the amount of starts right. and the record that was had between the two. And I think you know the, both these guys they're not going to be for everybody. Um, you know, it, with with Fromm you need more of a, a West Coast offense that's going to emphasize timing and rhythm and quick throws and he needs talent around him uh, to be successful there's no question where Eason's more of the traditional prototype uh, but he doesn't have a lot of that experience you know he played as a freshman and then missed two years and played this past year at Washington did some nice things got better throughout the year as he uh, kind of got a little more seasoned with, with everything but he's still the, the development's not there and so where is he mentally in his development and, and is there room to grow uh, that's the big thing that's the toughest part about quarterbacks from I He's probably close to his ceiling in terms of what he's going to be, mm -hmm. but Eason's a little more it, tougher to figure out. How close is Eason to his ceiling? I mean, is he kind of just he is who he is, or is he really going to develop? And that's you know Joe Burrow, perfect example. Who who thought he had as much of a, a room to grow as he did? <laughs> no, you know? so, I mean, they were calling Burrow a day three pick. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't I don't, uh, I don't know anybody year. that had a no. top or day one or day two pick on Joe Burrow. I mean, talking because that's I spend my summers. Uh, trading information with, with teams, with agents, with scouts, everybody, and um, not one person. The, the highest grade I heard on, on Burrow was a fourth-round grade. Wow. So, I mean, that that's just – and that's a rare case. You know, we're not going to get that every year, and but it uh, really speaks to the, the fact that the quarterback position remains the toughest position to evaluate. So, quarterbacks – tight ends or quarterbacks wide receivers let's talk about those tight ends we yeah. had one last not night chase claypool not chase claypool no he another better day we're gonna throw end. that in there yeah how yeah. about how about some other guys albert o last night running a 449 uh, albert who uh okay albert o Dane's out of missouri <laughs> Dane's gonna know ukuwe bunam that's, that's good yeah. pretty good you did good job. pretty good i googled it so <laughs> ukuwe bunam or uh, what would you say it as um, Alberto. Yeah. Just yeah. Alberto. Yep. <laughs> You're not going to say it? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but he goes out, runs a 4-4-9, and it was one of the, the quicker times we've seen as a tight end yeah. uh, over the, the, the past couple of years, or really all time, honestly, in the combine, and uh, showed off some of the, the skills out there as well. But what did you guys think from the tight end position? Uh, I mean, have you you looked at Alberto coming in, right? I, I, mean, I have not seen tape okay. of Alberto. I only know that like his production dropped off pretty heavily because yeah. Heavy. Missouri's a disaster. Well, and, <laughs> and even since his redshirt freshman year, because that's when you really um, kind of put himself on the radar. I think he had like uh, he had double digit touchdown catches that, uh, and really kind of said, "Hey, I'm I'm a guy you need to know." And the last two years, he was kind of uh, a little disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, but he he doesn't play, and, and I. I think I mentioned this last show, the 90-10 rule. You know, 90% should meet expectations. They're probably going to be about 10% that surprise you. And he's part of that 10% with that 4-4-9 because he doesn't play that fast. Now, sometimes on the, you know, on the vertical stuff, uh, you know, he can stretch the seam a little bit um, when he can just run. 
But when you ask him to uh, you know, make cuts and in and out of his breaks, that's where you just don't see a lot of urgency. Um, needs to be a little more loose with his athleticism um, when it comes to the route running. And can he do that? Maybe. Um, but there's no question, a 4-4-9, four, four, you're going to run a sub-4-5 at the tight end position. It's going to help you. I thought he was a probably a borderline top 100 guy. Um, good chance he gets into that late portion of the third round. Mm -hmm. uh, but with those types of times, that's really going to help him go on day two. Dave, any thoughts on the tight ends last night? I'm a big believer that, you know, we talk about, like, how useful is a 40 really? That literally, just <laughs> just watching on true. just watching on TV, I saw Alberto's 40, and I was like, wow, that's really impressive. And I was like, do I care? Do I care that much about straight line speed? <laughs> right. And, but I am a big believer, and I think this is true. If I had to pick one drill where I'm just like, show me that, and I'll tell you, how I feel about the guy would probably be three cone. Absolutely, that, that's my. Is opinion. that just across the board, or is that well, specifically? I mean, you know, you like if we're talking running backs and receivers, I care a little bit more about the forty. I care a little yeah. bit more about the vertical. But just in terms of change of direction and speed and balance and bend and all that stuff, which is something that like every football player yep. needs, that drill is going to expose whether you have it or not. And that's why the one thing that jumped out to me was that Cole Komet did not do very yeah, well he, in the three cone drill. He, I'm looking at it right now. He's down. I mean, seven four four, which is the it's rough second worst time of the day. Wow! Well, and it is uh, is the opposite for Troutman. Yeah, no, which, Trout and number one, sorry, uh, Adam Troutman, our Dayton guy. Uh, he was the best at six seven eight, which is not far behind the pace of. I'm looking at it on the site right here. Dennis Pitta was a six seven two. Like that's, that's really good. Here's a stat for you. I, after I got home last night, um, I looked it up uh, when I got to my hotel room. The six, seven, eight in the three cone is the sixth best time at the three cone drill for a tight end ever in the oh, history of the combine. Wow. So that tells you right there how impressive that is. Uh, and, but meanwhile, he ran a four eight zero in the forty. So the straight line stuff wasn't exactly there. But, but see, doesn't that? And that, that's why I'm at where I'm like, okay, four eight. 4-8 doesn't just jump off the page at you, mm -hmm. but give me the 4-8 with the great three-cone, and I'm more excited about that than the 4-5-40. 100%. 100 times out of yeah. 100. Agree, especially yeah, with the tight ends, receivers, where, you know, it's not just go routes. You know, you're going to have to turn, change directions. If, if you're a stiff athlete, the three-cone will expose you, and that's kind of what happened with some of these guys yesterday. And Albert O yesterday did not run the, the three-cone drill yeah. after he had the 4-4-9, so kind of tough to tell on that one. So, uh, maybe we'll get to see that during his Missouri Pro Day. So wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, they are done. They're on their way back home. Offensive linemen and running backs will start their drills tonight. That starts at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. But the, today, the early morning session, we heard a lot from the secondary guys, corners, safeties, a lot of guys of positions of need for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But when we come back, Twitter on the 20 returns the final time. We get to talk to Dane Brugler this week. Send in your questions at the Draft Show on Twitter. We'll be back from Indianapolis here in just a moment. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 this is is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. And now your hosts, David Hellman and Kyle Yeomans. Have I met with them? No, I haven't. Um, I haven't met with them yet. Um, and I'm not, uh, I, th- I think um, I would fit well with them in their scheme. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I'm a versatile guy, so I can do a lot of different things. So I think I'll fit well in a lot of a lot of schemes, to be honest with you. I don't think there's a scheme that I wouldn't be well do well in. So, um, you know, I try to make sure that I am able to, to fit in any scheme that I am put in. So, um, but I think I'll fit well in this scheme. Dallas Cowboys draft show back here from Indianapolis and draft sweetheart Alabama safety Xavier McKinney saying he would fit well into the Cowboys system. He said he'd fit well into any system, but he specifically said the Dallas Cowboys system overall gets some excitement going, right? Maybe? Can we can we get him over here and ask him what the Cowboys system is? Like, <laughs> that's a good question. If, I mean, if Rod Marinelli was still here, I would have an idea, but I don't even know what Mike Nolan's got in mind, so... I'd love to hear what he thinks that they would do with him. That's a good point. I mean, which, to be fair, I think Xavier McKinney can do just about anything yeah. you ask of him, at least adequately. Still the top safety on the board? No. No? Okay. Did you hear him? Uh, someone asked him who the toughest receiver he faced this year. He mentioned uh, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, then uh, wow. your two LSU receivers. So They're nice, man, which, you know, uh, we were joking. Somebody on Twitter <laughs> asked, like, why? how come nobody's talking about Jamar Chase? Because he's going back to LSU. Because he's going to be a Tiger again. Only 19. Purple and gold, back in Baton Rouge. And Dave Hellman smiles ear to ear on the other side of the table. Uh, wait, well, real quick. I know, I mean, we're going to do Twitter on the 20. But, yeah. I mean, and we, we talked about the safeties and how, you know, these are Grant Delpit, LSU, Xavier McKinney, Alabama, both flawed to a degree, both still probably first-round picks. Very quickly, because you kind of blinked at me when you said I didn't think McKinney was the best. Like, what? <laughs> give me your breakdown of those two, where they stand just, for you. I didn't know you liked Kyle Duggar that much. Oh, get out. Oh, so, oh there I, it is. That, Listen, that's great. Grant Delpit is not a perfect prospect, but he is the best safety in the I know, and I'm, I'm about, I need to be careful what I say because all the hate and slander. There, that, there's uh, hate Grant and slander. Somebody's going to tweet that, it. That Grant Delpit's getting. Uh, yeah, and I it, I think with, uh, with Delpit, Coming into the year, he had so much hype, and um, you know you see the range, you see the cover awareness, and in today's NFL, that's what matters more more than anything. But you still have to be able to be reliable as a tackler, um, and he's just it, it doesn't help that he's not the biggest guy. Um, you know that he, he it does seem like he makes a few key decisions that maybe he doesn't go all in and goes for the tackle. I think his technique is off. Um, but I get why I just struggle with him because there's there's too many negative plays on his tape for a guy that I'm going to invest a first-round pick in. Uh, and, and honestly, same with the thing with Xavier McKinney. I don't love either of these guys. Wow. I, I mean, I, I, no, I, I think it's he's fair. A, no, I know. Right. I, I posted actually uh, on Twitter um, uh, after Xavier McKinney said uh, Brian Edwards is one of the receivers that he – thought was the best they faced i posted an all 22 clip of um when they alabama and south carolina faced off and brian edwards just got him turned around created space and you know was able to do that so with xavier mckinney he's a much better tackler downhill defender but can you trust him uh as a guy that's going to be in man coverage can you trust him single high uh you know he he's there are a few examples of him doing these things but against nfl level athletes it's just a different animal and so I like these safeties. I don't love them, and I think it's it's tough to figure out where what is the proper value for these guys. Which 
I so I would say, and I I know, like I said, Grant Delpit's he's he's got his flaws. Mm-hmm. I trust more that you could teach him to tackle with better technique and better effort. It's fixable. It's fixable as opposed to, like, if you don't have it in coverage, I just don't think you have it. Yeah, sure. And Grand Delpit over two years has displayed an ability uh, to cover and to make plays in coverage, which is what this defense in Dallas has so sorely needed. Which is why I think he's the more valuable of the two players. I, and I think that that's a that's a good argument. Having and said that, <laughs> I, well, I we don't have to get all into it. I said on Wednesday, like I don't think the Cowboys would draft either one of them at seventeen. Yeah, not at not at seventeen. Maybe now, a trade if they back trade back scenario. Back. Yeah, no. yeah. I think there might be a, a little bit too much of those scenarios and those uh, those holes on the back end of the defense that need to be filled before they take a safety at seventeen. But with that being said. Let's get into Twitter on the 20. Twitter Twitter on the 20. So our first question here on Twitter on the 20 comes from Clayton, and he says, as the Cowboys, happy or sad if Tua goes at number two and we avoid Chase Young, being that the Redskins don't take Chase Young. Happy. Happy. Very happy. So. So Keep you s- the generational <laughs> pass rusher out of the division, yes. But you, you would rather face Tua overall oh, for yeah. however long and face. I get, wow, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Then you would have to play Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I mean, get, all right, if, if, if Tua is going to be healthy and you're going to be getting 10 to 12 years of Tua, then probably just draft Chase Young. <laughs> so, but there's a... There's a big if there, though. No, for you sure. Know? So it's it's it's. Do you take the gamble or? I'm not ready to sit here in February of 2020 and say that Tua is going to be a bust, though. I I mean, yeah, I oh, have, sure. I, I have agree. my concerns, but I'm not ready to say. He's that. got I, his health concerns. But. I, I will say this: I I would not be surprised that come draft draft day, would not be surprised if either Justin Herbert or Jordan Love was the second quarterback drafted. Would not be surprised at all. Ah. Put that out there. Do you think which okay? Dan Snyder's been known been known to do some crazy stuff. I mean, the word on the street is, I mean, that Dwayne Haskins was a Dan Snyder. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. So it's hard for me to believe that Dan Snyder would give up on a guy he wanted so badly last year after one year, especially because the coaches didn't want him. So yeah. Snyder kind of flexed his muscles on that At one. At the and same time, maybe maybe this new staff is the same when they're like, all right, fine, let's go get this other guy. I have to believe that part of the coaching interview process was not, so what do you think about our quarterback situation? It was, so how are you going to make Dwayne Haskins a good player? I would hope so. So, it, But that's it what, wasn't even the option of, you know, like. That's how a healthy franchise would do it, I think. Well, no, I mean, I think. I think a healthy franchise is probably going to be more along the lines of what, is, what about our quarterback situation and not saying our yeah. quarterback is Dwayne Haskins. What are we going to do with him? Like just because you, you, you want a, you want a coach that wants to coach him, not feels like they have to coach him. But it, it's tough because, uh, you know, Haskins, we saw so little of him and the little that we did see was not positive. But mm-hmm. I, we cite example after example of guys that struggled as rookies. Um, I, I think with the Redskins, you know, we'll see with – uh, Trent Williams coming back. We'll see. Yeah, they've got a pretty promising wide receiver uh, group with, with led by Terry McLaurin. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think hopefully I'd like to see Dwayne Haskins get another year, um, especially with the new new coaching staff in there. But uh, with when you're sitting when you're picking number two overall, you have to at least do your due diligence on on the quarterbacks that could be available to you. Well, and it's also not unheard of to see a, a quarterback selected in the first round by an organization back-to-back years. I mean, we saw it just most recently with Josh Rosen. That was like the first time. I was going to say, yeah. it's yeah. not unheard of because it, it just happened. It just right? happened, it's though. pretty so, – in the modern NFL, I mean – Right. It, it's a lot of impatience out there. So, uh, you know, that's why you can't completely rule it out. But because Haskins was a Snyder pick, mm-hmm. because he, like I said, flexed his muscles, over overruled the coaches, and went that direction – I don't think he's going to be ready to just move on from that pick. So now it, uh, if 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 a quarterback is taken two overall, I bet it's trade out Washington traded out of that pick. traded yeah. out of it. I don't think that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Like I don't yeah. that roster, in my opinion, is not as flat out awful as you would expect from a team picking number two. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you've got some talent on the O line. You've got some talented pass. Like their their front, their defensive front is very impressive. They need defensive backs. They could. I mean, Terry McLaurin broke out, but they you know they could use some other skill players. Right. But I don't think that the Redskins are as 
atrociously untalented as you would expect from a team picking number two. Dane, being a guy who's kind of kept up with these organizations, is it out of the question to see Miami maybe give up two of their three first-round picks and try and go up to two and make sure that they do snag a Tua? If they're convinced that Tua is going to be healthy and going to be their guy, then that's what you do. That's why you you gather all these draft picks so you can be aggressive and go get the right quarterback. It just, it, we just have no idea of, I mean, so we, we could see it. We just have no idea of knowing if that's how Miami's going to feel. And we're not going to know until at least April 9th when Tua is able to do his personal pro day. We see him throw. We see the body movements. Um, that's going to be such a big part of the process for any team that's considering uh, Tua. And it's just... The quarterbacks, they drive the conversation every year, and this year is no different. And But there's we're not forcing the conversation because there's a lot of intrigue at the top. Uh, well, maybe not the top because Joe Burrow, uh, even – he didn't do anything um, last night mm-hmm. at, at, at uh, the on-field drills, the running, anything like that. But I tell you what, he I, I was watching him on the sideline. He was one of the first guys up, fist bumps, high fives with all the receivers, tight ends. He just has this magnetism to him where yeah, just guys – and he's not a – he's not a yeah, ru- Well, we know look at, that. Look at the sparkle in the eye. Yeah, on the, I'm sorry. Yeah, the other day just pop oh, – Joe Burrow's here. <laughs> the it, it, He's not a rah-rah guy. He's not a, you know, a, a guy that's going to be overly vocal, but he just has a, a presence to him that I think teammates really rally around. It really mm-hmm. resonates with them, and that's something that really showed – even Burrow didn't do anything, um, you know, drill-wise. But I came away impressed. And if I was impressed by it, I can promise you scouts were paying attention as well. Oh, 100%. And uh, our next question, Daniel Roberts, has to do with last night as well. But he asked everyone or everybody last year made a big stink about DK Metcalf's testing. Why isn't anybody making a big deal about Jalen Rager's just yet? I don't. I mean, was it I think, historically bad? I, mean, I was going to say, like, kind of average is right. where the best way to Yeah, play. I mean, I think it was probably disappointing because people were expecting Jalen Rager right. to run, like, a 4-3. Yeah. Right. To come out and, and set the world on fire. But if I'm not mistaken, like, his times were all, like, within an acceptable range of what you would want from a draftable wide receiver, right? Right. I think just in our minds, it was so it was inflated. to be freaky, yeah. Right. So and he that, runs that was a four four seven in the 40 last night. Yeah. And that, so, sub that's four pretty five good. is still really good. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a guy that won a state championship in the long jump in high school, so we knew the jumps were going to be really impressive and, and they were he did not disappoint with the jumps uh that lower body explosiveness um i i was more like the 40-yard dash was a little disappointing i was more concerned about the the shuttles were not mm-hmm. were not great and, and that's something that you would a little surprising you expected better out of him he had a 446 in the shuttle yeah which is yesterday. not not a great time um cone drill was a 731 yeah, no, I mean, That's, I would go as far as to say he had a disappointing day. Yeah. But, yeah. like, basically people said last year that DK Metcalf was so stiff and so athletic, unathletic that he couldn't do anything except run in a straight line. Yeah. I don't think we're saying that about Jalen Rager. I don't think so either. But I do, I mean, you know, entering the combine, we, you know, on the draft show before the show, and I feel like the narrative was that Dane talked about the trio of Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs a lot of people thought Jalen Rager was in the conversation to be the next best guy after that. Right. And no, like we said at the top of the show, nobody was talking about Justin Jefferson. And that's what these drills do is they flip it because obviously one guy had a much better night than the other. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I, I didn't think Rager was a first-round pick, but uh, I thought that you know, he, he had a chance to really help himself. And I, I don't think he did that. And I don't think he's necessarily dropping. But in a loaded class like this, like we've been talking about, it's the littlest things that could really separate yourself. Kent Garrison coming on by, former member of the Cowboys staff, saying hi. Oh, here he comes. Hey, there it is. There's the cameo. And that's exactly how Radio Row goes. Next question comes from Connor. And this is an intriguing one because we've talked about this prospect before. Connor asked, where do you see Terrell Burgess playing at the next level, of course, out of Utah? And he said, little on the smaller side for a safety prospect, but in my opinion, that's where he projects best. Is he good enough as a cover guy to play both spots, both nickel and safety? See, I think he's kind of the the in-between. He's a nickel. I think so, too. You know, he's, I, don't, I don't know that he can do 
everything that you want in a safety. I don't know that he can do everything you want in a corner, but I think he can do uh, everything you want in a nickel player. Uh, so he can play that inside position. He understands relationships between multiple routes. He can read those combinations, uh, and he, he flips his hips. He can run. He can find the football. He can locate. And the guy, you talk to his coaches about him. Uh, they rave about this guy, his smarts, how you know, the character, how it impacts the rest of the locker room. Um, so he is a guy that off the field, no, no concerns, team guy on the field, not someone that's, you know, he might be a little scheme specific with how you use him in the sub packages, but, you know, we're talking about a late third, early fourth rounder probably, so that's why there's a discount sticker on him compared to being talked about as a first or second rounder. And we talked to him uh, earlier this morning, and he also said, even though he grew up in California, his family was full of diehard Dallas Cowboys fans. They would go to the games all the time. They would find a way to go to Texas. So, I mean, that's another guy that you could potentially look at as one of those former Cowboys fans that uh, could end up just filling a position of need in their former uh, fandom. Now, moving on, this is another this or that question. And it says, would you take Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina defensive tackle or one of the top three receivers if they fell to 17. Those top three receivers that he tweeted about were CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma, Jerry Judy out of Alabama, and then his teammate from college, Henry Ruggs III. I'm driving the Flirty Burger train. You are. But even I wouldn't do that. Give, yep. give me, I mean, the second best defensive tackle in the class. I mean, Derek Brown's, yeah. in, you know, he's in his own category. Mm -hmm. He'll be long gone, but... Kinlaw can do so much stuff. He can be so disruptive. I think he's 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 rare in general, but then throw that in there with the fact that this receiver class is absurd. Yep. Also, if you want to get really Cowboys specific, there's so much smoke coming out of Indy this week that it's, <laughs> I mean, Randall Cobb's coming back. Yeah. I'll be shocked if he doesn't, based on what we've heard. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Amari Cooper, but it seems reasonable that your top three receivers are all back. You, you don't have any defensive tackles under contract. Like, the value there, I think it's really mismatched when you consider that you could get a great receiver at pick 80, let alone mm -hmm. pick 17. It's tough because I think on my board, if I will have Lamb as a higher-graded player than Kinlaw. But everything you said, I agree with, you know, in terms of... That's why best player available... It's a lie. It's very subjective. It's a lie. <laughs> it's, it, there, there, context is required. And... I, you're right about, you know, you can wait on the receiver position. I would have a hard freaking time moving on, away from, from um, C.D. Lamb. I yeah. would say oh, that. Yeah. That would be agonizing. That would be mm -hmm. tough. Uh, but when you look at it and say you know, everything you just said about defensive tackle and how that's a bigger need, how you can you really want a receiver, okay, you can wait and still get a pretty pretty talented uh, wide out, second, third, fourth round. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I... I'm going to ride the fence here. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, sorry, Broadus. Oh. I, well, because I, I – Make I, a pick. Yeah, where's Broadus, coward? <laughs> I know. Come on, coward. Hey, this is – Make a decision, it's, coward. It's February. It's not April. <laughs> uh, not yet. So, uh, I, I would I, – Lamb is the better player, but I think I'd probably lean just, more towards you. It reminds me, which this is a terrible example because Taco Charlton didn't even finish his rookie contract. Yeah. The reason they did it in the first place – yeah, I know they should have picked TJ Watt, but the reason they did it is <laughs> – we can we we have to get the pass rusher that can make an impact here, and there will be DBs down the line for us. Yeah, and they turned out to be right about that to a degree. They picked the wrong pass rusher, but yep. the strategy was sound. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, that's fair. And so, I just feel way better about their odds of finding a good receiver later than a defensive tackle who can actually make an impact at least early. And I think I would agree here as well because. Would you agree with me here that either one of those four guys, if you had Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, or Kinlaw coming to Dallas wearing the navy blue blazer in the next couple of days holding up a jersey in a press conference, would you be happy? Absolutely. Say the four names again. I'm sorry. Judy, Ruggs, Kinlaw, uh, Kinlaw or, or, Lamb? or Lamb. I'd be ecstatic. Would you be ecstatic about yeah. any of those four guys? Yes. 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 He's a home run yeah. pick no matter what, at least – at the moment, whenever we come to draft time, that's what it looks like. It looks like those are four guys that are going to make an immediate impact for your football team. So I think you, you have a little bit of confidence. You have a little bit of, of peace knowing that you're going to get a guy if the, if this is the scenario that works out and you have a decision to make. And honestly, another thing that's really encouraging is that there's a chance that one of those four guys is there. 
at mm-hmm. 17 based on the offensive tackles and the quarterbacks that could go earlier. I, w- I will say this, though. The, the fans never forget. The fans never forget <laughs> who you passed on, yep. uh, You know whether it's uh, you know T.J. Watt or whoever. They will not forget. Um, so, you know, it's not like that. You need to create any uh, any pressure that they are, don't already feel, but uh, it would be tough to pass on one of those guys to take the other. That's one of the, the intricacies of the draft that makes it so, so yeah. fun. One more question here for Twitter on the 20. Jeremy says, who was the bell of the interview circuit throughout the course of the week and any particularly negative interviewees? Well, wow. I mean, the, the thing about that is, like, wait, you're talking about with us or with the teams? With all of it, the well, teams. Or, okay, with say, us. Let's do let's, with media. Yeah, say with us. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, we don't know you the can team never 100% side of it right now. trust what's coming out of, uh, out of the team situation. The 37 parking tickets for Ross Blacklock is one of the few fun ones that I've heard. But out of the media Did interviews. anyone really stick out to you as being negative? I, I a couple years ago, Antonio Callaway, to me, was just, Ooh, it yeah. was so bad. It, like, he was so nervous, and he was not comfortable, and it was it was a rough thing to go through. And I, to the point where I almost felt sorry for him, like, just, it, this is not going well. And But I don't think there was anything like that, at least not that I was a part of yeah, this year. Yeah, I have to be co- totally transparent, like, with my duties as a beat writer and chasing the Jones mm-hmm. family around, like, I didn't. I wasn't at as many interviews as the two of y'all. Yeah. Um, s- nobody really jumped out to me as just like a terrible interview. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I think someone keep it to today this morning. Jeff Okuda was oh, really awesome. Yeah. He was great. He's a confident dude. Yeah. And, and in that's a good way. What you would expect from a corner. Sure. You know, he. I thought it was really fascinating when uh, oh, a couple times when someone asked him like, you know, how do you clean up your sloppy plays and he's like <laughs> i had zero pass interference penalties i had zero defensive holding penalties like I think you need to go back to the tape and watch uh, yeah. explain to me these sloppy plays and then later he someone asked about you know is he pay attention to teams that are picking on top of the draft he literally rattled off okay well you know this is the redskins depth chart at cornerback um you know they just got rid of josh norman they're negotiating with dunbar like, he went through the top five every team in the top five he knew their depth chart in and out at the cornerback position. This is a guy that does his homework. He's paying attention. Very, very bright individual. We're gonna go. We're gonna go deeper into Jeffrey Okuda here in a little bit. I will say. So I don't mean to. You know, we're not talking Antonio Callaway or Robert Kimdichi from a few years mm-hmm. ago. That was brutal. That too. was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who you got? Who you got? Tua. Mm, not wow. in, not in the sense that he was like. I mean, he's fine. He se- he seems like a super nice guy. Very like mature and polite. But I was just bored and underwhelmed, mm. uh, and it felt like it felt a little phony, for lack of a better word, for me. Like a great example is he's like, you know, I, I don't think, you know, the the story goes if you don't know that his dad just turned him into a lefty, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he just had him start throwing with a left hand with his left hand early on in life, and he said, he's like, you know, I don't I don't think I'd be here, I don't think I'd be here if he hadn't done that. And mm-hmm. somebody immediately was like, why? Like, how do you know? <laughs> and he's like, what is it about being left-handed that makes you so confident? So con- and, he, and he's like, he's like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, I've never thrown with my right hand. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but you're obviously talented enough to have gotten here. Like, it stands to reason you could have done it. And somebody else was like, well, what's so different about playing left-handed? And he was like, uh, I don't know. The ball spins a different way. And I was just like, you – and somebody else, somebody was like, what's your greatest strength? What do you need to work on the most? He was just like, I don't like talking about myself. Like, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm shy. You guys are making me talk about myself. I was like, guess what, bro? That's the point of this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Give me something. Tell me something interesting because it just sounds like it was very – it just felt very phony to me. I was like, give me a little more context. Give me a little more detail. Uh, he came off very tired, very – like – he was in the hospital for 14 hours. That, I, I, I think that is the context I'm trying to get at. Like, yeah. I think that played a part. Like, he just came off like he was – it was not the right frame of mind for him to be doing that at that point in time. That's um, fair. That's a really good point. So, you know, it, but I agree. It was not an impressive interview. And just hopefully for his sake, the team interviews go better than uh, what he did with the media. I thought there were some really good interviews, particularly today. I mean, C.J. Henderson was awesome. Mm-hmm. Noah Igbenogany, who we heard a little bit of earlier. Same thing with Antoine Winfield Jr. out mm-hmm. of Minnesota. He had an awesome press conference. There weren't, like, uh, a whole big 
ton of people. I saw your McKinney one at yeah. the same time. I saw yeah. your tweet that he said he wants to return punts, and I was like, yes, him, let's yes. get him, get him here. He had a, a wonderful interview, and it was because of the fact that he kind of went into his dad and, and the, the, the way he looks up to his father, who, of course, had a 14-year playing career in the NFL. So that was really intriguing. One guy that I didn't necessarily like as much, and this one might make some uh, Jeff Cavanaugh guys ha- unhappy, Jeff Gladney was kind of meh. Meh? Yeah, he's kind of meh up on the podium today. So that was kind of uh, one disappointing thing. Uh, overall, I thought he was okay. But mm-hmm. just compared to some of the other guys, I mean, Terrell Burgess out of Utah was great. Yeah, he's awesome. There were a lot of really good uh, podium guys over the course of the week. But today, I think, might have been the best day in terms of uh, some of the more likable guys. you got to have swagger to play defensive back. So yeah, it's not true. a surprise that they would be good interviews. And mm-hmm. one guy who has plenty of swagger and is – plenty of the center of conversation Jeffrey Okuda we already just talked about him the uh, cornerback out of Ohio State when we come back we're going to talk about Okuda who apparently grew up a Cowboys fan we'll talk about that maybe what it'll take if the Cowboys want to try and fill a position with need with Okuda when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. And now your hosts, David Hellman and Kyle Yeomans. I remember the DB coach, uh, I know that they had hired uh, Al Harris. So when I sat down with him, I was like, I think you had dreadlocks back in the day, right? And he was like, yeah, that's me. So I was able to sit down with him. We talked football. Uh, he he kind of like, he just, I let him just talk, and I soaked up the game. And that's what I want to do, just kind of take a nugget, get better like that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did grow up a Cowboys fan. Uh, watched all the Cowboys games. Uh, big fan of the guys that they've had come through. And uh, so I, I know how special it is the guys in the area to, to wear the star on their helmet. The final segment of the week here from Radio Row in the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine, the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Dave Hellman, Dane Brugler, Kyle Yeomans with you. Coming back into the segment, Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback of Ohio State. We were just talking about him a little bit, said, grew up a Cowboys fan, and he knows what it would mean to wear the star on the side of the helmet. So, guys, here's, here's the conversation. Got about 12 minutes here. Pitch We're going to get deep into this. Pitch oh, me. I see you're, you're grinning over there. Uh, Jeff Okuda, pretty much the, the, I guess, unanimous number one corner in the entire draft. Agree? Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree? Yep. Okay. What would it take for the Dallas Cowboys to go up and get Jeff Okuda? And how, we, how we're going to start this conversation, there's a lot at stake here because there's multiple picks. You're most likely going to have to what? Go up to 
Three? For the purposes of this, I mean, between three and five. Okay, yeah. between three, three and five. five. So three is where earliest because we're assuming Joe Burrow would go one to Cincinnati. Chase Young would be taken second, second by insert name here or a two or somebody. What would it take to get up the three from well, I, 17? I think we have to say Tua or Chase Young two because if he doesn't go, then yeah, then, then you're talking about it, trading him for Chase yeah. Young. Why am oh, I not trading yeah, him for Chase Young? Yeah, that's a good Young. point. So, okay, so let's try let's try and get to three of, here. Right, right. Trying to get to three. Let's right. get to three with the Detroit Lions, mm. who just don't seem to want to take anybody with that number three overall. <laughs> not, not really. This point. <laughs> um, an act of God. That's what it would take. <laughs> I mean, wow. Well, let, let's lay it out. It would take 17, obviously. That's okay. People, it would it would take pick 17. Okay. So we did the fine. Ma- do it. We did the math on this when we decided we wanted to talk about it. Yes. And bring out the chart. Trade charts aren't universal, but the Cowboys' pick is worth roughly 950 points. Okay. Detroit's pick at number three is worth roughly 2,200. That's oh. a that's a 1,250 point difference. Just for reference, because. There's always somebody that's like, throw in your th- four, five, and six, and you'll get, like, no. That, that doesn't necessarily premium, happen. Premium right. picks are what move the needle on trades. Yes. And so what we say? It's a 1,250-point difference. Yes. The Cowboys' second-round pick is only worth 390. Okay. Their third-round pick is worth 180. So you're only halfway there throwing right. in both of those Two picks. Two and three. Which the point is... You're not getting that done without giving up next year's first-round pick. <laughs> oh, okay. it has to happen. You're just not doing it. Yeah. Uh, and then you're probably throwing a sweetener in on top of it. To Dane's point, you try to give up next year's one and this year's three. Okay. Realistic, like if it's me, I'm holding you up for your number two as well. Okay. So you're talking next year's one, this year's one, and this year's two. Just for reference, how how valuable is next year's one? Well, on the on the trade chart. Well, that's it's. Next year's picks are always worth a little bit less. Right. Okay. So, it and and that's the thing. That's it's, how it works because it's it's a guessing game. There's no there's no way to assign a value to it because the Cowboys could pick one or thirty two. Exactly. There's no way to know, so it's worth a little bit less. But you just have to you're just throwing it in there. Okay. What is it? Does it have a value uh, no. number though on it at no. all? Okay. Does I didn't it? Know I mean, they, they don't. No. I didn't know yeah. if they they had it kind of. Uh, you're just away. throwing you're, you're it guessing. in there as a yeah. bar. You're saying hmm. wherever it is, it, it, and that's that's what makes it so scary. Is yeah. it could be a top five pick. It could be you know you could win the Super Bowl. Who the hell knows? Yeah. And, that's and, what makes it tricky. And that's the thing is yeah exactly. The Cowboys are in a position where if they made the playoffs next year, would it surprise anybody? Not, not really. They shouldn't. I mean, they're a capable team. But if they were picking eighth overall, would that necessarily be surprising either? I mean, that's possible. We factor in injuries and everything else. Top ten, I think, would surprise me. It well, would. It would. Dak ten well. would surprise. Dak gets hurt week two. You oh, know, like well, I'm just Dak's saying. Then we've got hurt. Anthony Gordon to back that up. Oh, I mean, stop it. They're, they're in the game of football, you're right. You're you know, right. so nothing should, would surprise you. that. That goes into the thinking uh, because I'll, I'll tell you this. If if it happens like that, the Cowboys will not be the only team making calls to go up to number that's three. That's good. So yeah. that's but it's more competition for the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. that almost guarantees that the one and three is probably not going to be enough. One and a two, and hey, the Lions might not even do that because they're looking at this draft saying we want to come away with Okuda or Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons, one of these dudes on defense mm-hmm. to make us a better team. If we go better than seventeen. That's just not going to do it for us, even if we are gaining a one and a two next year for a team that might be in the playoffs. So you're talking about a pick in the 20s next year? How appealing is that? So That's the thing, too, is the chart helps you get an idea, right? but it's up to the team. It yeah. really is. The Lions yeah. could say, we want your entire draft and next year's one, or we're not doing it. Like They can ask for whatever the hell they want. You're yeah. the one that wants the pick. So I just don't think it's realistic. And on top of that, I think the world of Jeff Okuda, it's not worth it at that position Mm -hmm. like what's the debate we're having right now about you know should the cowboys be as ready to move on from byron jones as they are well where'd they find him yeah pick pick 27 yeah um good point and so and and again and why are they so comfortable conceivably letting him go which it sounds like they will do because as good as he is their belief at least is that he does not impact the game enough to be worth it and I tend to agree. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the at LSU. least compared to the guys that they have to sign, that's also yeah, on that and list. That, and that's that is the thing for the Dallas Cowboys in the era that they are currently in. Mm-hmm. They have so many good, expensive players that they are, that are taking up so much of the top of their salary cap. 
The only way to offset it and hope to be successful is to have draft picks and hit on them and replenish the middle of your roster with affordable talent. And you can't do that if you're trading away picks to acquire one player. That's just my opinion. No, I think it's well said. And I think we also have to factor in what is the gap how this team views between Okuda and, say, like a C.J. Henderson. Sure. Uh, You know, C.J., if you can get C.J. Henderson, say, at 17, is it really, would you rather have Jeff Okuda or would you rather have C.J. Henderson plus whoever you take in the first round next year, whoever you take in the second round next year? I mean, it's a quantity-quality debate, but I start to lean more towards the three guys than I would just the one. And, like, uh, like we said, it's just it's not against Okuda. It's not against you know we 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 think he's an outstanding player, but I don't know. I lean more towards Dave. It's a very similar conversation than that kind of what we had earlier in the week. Maybe not we had, but what Cowboys Nation had whenever Tua was talking about being a fan of the Cowboys. Oh, what would it take to go up and get a, a Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama? But at the same time, this guy actually fills a position of need. Mm-hmm. So would a one in three? intrigue you but i'm not gonna i'm not just gonna say jeffrey okuda here we said let's get to three let's say chase young somehow gets to three would you do it for a chase young though that would be different because yeah. i'm a little yeah. i would do more inclined do it more inclined do it in a heartbeat okay he would do it in a heartbeat. Well, yeah. what are, oh, you, what are you, you giving would... up in a heartbeat are you just saying name your price um i well Ooh, no name not name your price, price. <laughs> but i mean i would, I would give a 17 um 17 next year's, year's one, one, and then I, I try to give up next year's three, or this year's three. I, I try then, to get it done say, with that. they say, you're absolutely off your rocker, Dane. <laughs> yes, it wouldn't happen. We know how good this guy what is. About no. two, how about this year, next year's one, and a two? Yeah, and I don't even think that would get it done. Because you don't think so? I think the Lions would be crazy to not take him uh, at that pick. Uh, and the, the other thing, too, is the competition. If Chase Young is yeah, still available at three, th- there are going to be some just crazy offers being thrown because people have short memories in the NFL. They saw what Nick Bosa did this past year for the 49ers as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the 49ers defensive line is stacked and that allowed Bosa to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities and all that. But Chase Young has the ability to be better than Nick Bosa uh, when we look back at this draft. And so if you can add a talent like that, you don't pass it by. You go and be aggressive and go make it happen. I really think I'm only down to do a deal like that for a quarterback. I really am. Out of any position. Because it's the only thing that gives you that much value back. Mm -hmm. Because it's the most important position in the game. He touches the ball every snap. And if, I mean, you know, we've seen it, you know, Houston and Kansas City went and got quarterbacks. The Rams and the Eagles got Goff and Wentz the same way. Knowing what we know now about Nick Bosa, you wouldn't have done that for Nick Bosa? I don't think so. See, I, I would. I, you just you just contradicted yourself, though. Why? Because the Niners are loaded. Like, no, and yeah. that's not a knock on Bosa. No. But they, he's got so much. He's got Eric Armstead. He's got mm-hmm. DeForest Buckner. He's got Richard Sherman and, and those guys in the secondary helping him. Like, he was the cherry on top of what was already a pretty talented defense. Like, Absolutely. He is not the foundational stone of that defense and is just doing it. I think <laughs> a better point is, you know, Miles Garrett's been good, and yeah. he had a good rookie season, but he wasn't Nick Bosa right off the bat because he didn't right. have the help. Right. And, and Well, and uh, it, that's part of it. Also part of it is he just hasn't necessarily developed some of his go-to moves, and, you know, he needs to develop more. But he's even he's impacting uh, the quarterback. It, it, I, I, I understand your point completely because you are you are right about in terms of touching the football and impacting the game and um, I just I think we can and I'm I love draft picks but the chance to go get a difference I mean, maker like that I will say if the Cowboys pick up a couple free agent defensive tackles and then do that deal. Mm. And you've got Chase Young and Demarcus Lawrence on the same mm-hmm. line. You're going to win a lot of football games. Yes, you yeah. are. That that will impact the out scoreboard. that secondary issue too. You're also not going to have a lot of draft picks to replenish the middle of your <laughs> roster. Does that work? Yeah. Which exactly? I mean, that's the other thing. It's a risk. There's no question. This is a top-heavy team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it just is. It like 100. Their is. top their top eight players are about as good as anybody in the league could ask to be, and then their other 45 are you know they have their moments and they can be you know they they were they looked really good the year before in 2019 the middle of your roster didn't step up and that's a big part of the reason why they were a 500 team so akuda no chase young it's a big fat maybe it's Mm -hmm. a it's a no regardless for me for me because i need the picks joe burrow falls to three (laughs) can't sign Dak. go i mean yes or no and get get nuts dave 
What do What do you want me to say? That I, I would love to have <laughs> Joe Burrow. Put Joe Burrow on the like, and that's Joe Burrow on this team would be great, but at what cost? Yeah, it would and, be a and lot of cost. You're just gonna let Dak Prescott walk away for nothing because like no. the people who think you're trading, tag him and are trade crazy. him for for pick three. Fortune favors the bold. I mean, yeah. that, that's my line. I'm usually <laughs> the one that says that. Uh, yeah, I'm I, trying I, to get picks, guys. All right, you know what? I'll we take picks. I'll take the LSU guy. You, I know you hate him. I'll take him. We'll, we'll, we'll do we'll, everything we'll to get do Burrow. It. Let's let's. Uh, Sell the farm. Yes, absolutely. Everybody all in for for Joe Burrow. I'm 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 sold. I'm trading back. Yes. I'm trading back from 17. <laughs> I can't trade back from 17 and still get Calevon Chase on, can I? Probably that's not. not. That's uh-huh. not realistic. That's probably not happen. I'm trading back from 17, getting a corner. C.J. Henderson. Then picking three or two, you know, two or three times on no three times on day three, uh, day two. Deal. Extra second. I would do that. Yeah. That'd that's be so how, fun. That's how you fix the great. roster. I'll yeah. take Burrow. Yeah. Okay. I'll take Burrow. Well, too. we started the week here saying don't do this in to me. segment one. <laughs> don't do this to saying, me. Saying let's get nuts, let's get wild, let's start looking at how things could I'm, really shape out. As somebody who loves, uh, the, as somebody who loves the draft, I would love to see that happen. It'd be. I mean, incredible. not so much. I mean, Burrow. I mean, Burrow's not going to fall to three. But, but no. I mean, but you know, the thought, just as a thought exercise, like Tua, <laughs> how he would wind up on the Cowboys and what it would look like is fascinating. Yeah. But. It's also it's, unrealistic. It's my job to work in reality. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so I just I just don't see it. That's how it goes. Hmm. But it's okay. Well, one thing that's unrealistic is how good Dane Brugler is at his job. Amazing. Oh. And thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you guys for having week, me. Man. Enjoyed it, it. It really has been a pleasure. And uh, that is going to do it here from Indianapolis. Now, our coverage is not done just yet. We're still going to be sticking around. Follow Dave Hellman. At Hellman DC on Twitter, Dane's at DP Brugler on Twitter as well. I'm at Kyle underscore Yeomans, and uh, we, we'll still be around. We'll still be here in Indy, but this is the final show here from Radio Row. So for everybody involved in these broadcasts, back at the studio at the Star for Alex and Aaron and Nick here in Indianapolis. I'm Kyle saying so long until next week. We'll see you next Thursday at 11. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?